I tell you what, what a blessing this morning. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen? I want you to know I want to join up, man. I tell you, I don't want to go six times. I want to join up today. Amen. And uh, I'm a member over there at Sherwood, but I'm leaving. Amen. I'm done. Man, listen, this was great. The music was great. Y'all don't know how blessed you are to have just a solid pastor and great, great music. Isn't that awesome? Amen. I'm telling you. And, uh, and then to have students, man, y'all have teenagers here and y'all laugh at me, but I go and I preach in churches where there's no teenagers, there's no children. And, uh, that just tells me that, man, there's not a lot of life there. And so buddy, y'all got a church that has a bunch of students, uh, middle school, high school and little guys, man. And we're just so thrilled, uh, man, to see that God is blessing this church and blessing this fellowship. And I am blessed. I'm honored to be here. And I always ask when I was in evangelism for about 30 some odd years to remember my family. And uh, I have a beautiful bride. Her name is Joy. We live in Leesburg. And uh, then I've got two daughters, one that's Brittany Joy, and uh, she lives in Chicago, so don't hold that against me, amen, all right? And uh, she works for Kellogg's, and so keep buying cereal, amen, amen. And uh, we love Raisin Bran, hey, hallelujah, amen. <clears throat> and uh, her name is Brittany Joy, and then I've got another daughter named Ashlyn Joy. She and her husband Gabe were uh, missionaries in Nicaragua, and they now live in North Augusta, and they blessed us with a little grandson. Uh, five years old by the name of Micaiah. So I've got Joy, I've got Brittany Joy, I've got Ashlyn Joy. So I guess you could say today I have the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Amen. Uh, but it is a joy and an honor and a privilege to be here with you uh, for this special, special day. You know, I'm thinking about this time of year. How many of y'all like this time of year? Man, I, I love it. Man, you got Thanksgiving, and man, I like it for many reasons. I like the weather changing. And I like to eat, amen, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but also I like the people, I like hanging out with friends and family. And as we're coming closer to Christmas, we're going to see some family members and some friends that maybe we hadn't seen in a long, long time. And when I think about family and I think about friends, I, I think about a passage where I, I hear and I read about four men that were friendly men, but they were more than just friendly I believe we could call these guys uh, true friends. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them and turn with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 and concluding uh, with verse 12. Please allow me to read this to you and for you this morning. It's probably on the screens. And uh, look with me if you would. Again, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, he, which is Jesus entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noised or reported that he, Jesus, was in the house. Now, dear friends, if our church right here is going to continue to grow with new members, if we're going to continue to see visitors, it needs to be noise that Jesus is in the house. Amen? Now, that souls are being saved and that lives are being changed. And I don't mean on a yearly basis or a monthly basis, but rather on a daily basis. God is moving. God is blessing. And it needs to be noise that God is in the house, that God is blessing and then in verse 2, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, 
No, not so much as about the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word unto them. You ask me, Brother Tim, why were there so many people there? Insomuch there was no room to receive them, not even about the door. And I believe that the people were there because Jesus Christ was there. I believe they wanted to see Jesus. I believe they wanted to hear Jesus. I believe they wanted to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friends, when lost men and women of our community and even teenagers come to this church, it's imperative that they see Jesus in and through us. By the way that we worship, as we teach, as we share, as we pray, as we give, that we do not serve a dead God. Rather, we serve the true and living God, Jehovah God, the Son of God, and He lives and resonates in our hearts and in our lives. And then in verse 3, and they came unto Him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought afore. And when they come not near to Him for the press or the, uh, or the, or the crowd, they uncover the roof where He was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed in which the sick of the palsy lay. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Pastor, I remember one of the first times I ever really began to look at that passage. And I thought, here's a man that is sick. He is sick of the palsy. He had a a disease that would attack his nervous system. And this man cannot walk. He cannot even crawl. He can't even stand. And yet they bring this man before Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. And I would think he would say, hey, sir, be healed. Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. And he says that later. But here he says what? Thy sins be forgiven thee. No doubt Jesus was concerned about the man's physical being. But even though he was concerned about his physical life, he was also more concerned even about his spiritual life. And folks, we need to help people. We need to love people. And we need to touch people physically. And uh, help them maybe with food or with education or learning how to uh, maybe uh, speak a second language. All these different things that we need to do. Matter of fact, I serve a lot of churches. About really about 1,200 churches. And some of these churches are involved in feeding hundreds of people, sometimes hundreds of families every single month, some almost every single week. Yes, we need to touch them physically, but oh dear friend, we do not minimize their condition spiritually. We need to touch them physically, but also spiritually. It's not either or, but rather it is both loving them, touching them, ministering to them, gaining the right and the privilege to what? Share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, what son thy sins be forgiven thee? But there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning or considering in their hearts, why do this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they shall reason within themselves, he said unto them, this is what he said, he said, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said this about the sick of the palsy. He said, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. That's when he said it. And immediately he arose and took up his bed. And went before them all, insomuch they were all amazed, and they glorified God, they honored God, they magnified God, saying, we've never seen it on this fashion. Friends, this morning when we look at the scripture together, we can look at several different aspects. For instance, 
We can look how the scribes hated Jesus. How they tried to find a fault in Jesus. How they tried to trick him or to trip the Lord Jesus Christ. But as Bible students this morning, we realize that there was no fault in Jesus. Now, there is no fault in Jesus. There never will be any fault or any blemish or any sin in the life of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, we could look how this man that was sick of the palsy, how he must have had an unusual amount of faith. Can you imagine those four men coming to him and saying, hey, now there's a man by the name of Jesus. Man, he's a wonderful teacher. Matter of fact, he's done miracles. And we believe this man named Jesus can heal your body. I can imagine that man saying, listen, I appreciate your concern. And I've had religious leaders come and they have prayed over me. And, and their prayers have simply uh, done no good. I, I've had physicians come and they've given me medical attention. And the medicines simply have not worked. I don't believe this man named Jesus can help me either. I believe this man had faith. I believe he had the kind of faith that if he could get a glimpse of Jesus, that Jesus might in fact heal his body. Maybe even reach out and touch a thread of the garment of Christ that Jesus would in fact heal this man's condition. But the aspect that I really want to look at together this morning is this. Again, there were four men that carried one man to Jesus. And no doubt they were good men. I'm sure they were moral men. I believe they were friendly men, but they were willing to go. They were willing to make a difference. What we sang about a moment ago. These four men are what we can call true friends. I want to ask you this morning, just a simple question. Are you a true friend or are you just friendly? Are you a true friend or are you just friendly? Well, these four men were friendly, no doubt, but they were more than just friendly. They were true friends because, first of all, they did not minimize this man's condition. Look with me here at verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought of four. True friends because they did not minimize his condition. Again, remember, he was sick. He had a disease that would attack his nervous system. He was unable to stand or, or walk or crawl or run or anything like that. The only way for this man to get to Jesus is if those four men went to him physically, picked him up physically, carried him physically, made a hole in the roof physically, and laid him before the feet of Jesus Christ physically. They were true friends because they did not minimize his condition. You think about it, man. They could have come up to him and, and they could have said, hey, buddy, we just want to come by and, man, tell you that we love you and we're praying for you and, and we realize that you've been a little sick lately but, but buddy we love you and man by the way here's a card everybody in the Sunday school class will sign the card and, and it's a card of encouragement and by the way I brought some of my wife's famous chocolate chip cookies you know she puts that, that double fudge in those things I love that and, and we just want to come by and tell you that we love you and we're praying for you and we hope you get to feeling better by the way boys should we tell you what we're going to do today we're going down to see Jesus hey have you heard about Jesus that wonderful teacher Oh, he's done miracles. We might even see a miracle today. Hey, listen, buddy, if you feel better, get on up and come on down there with us, and we'll sit together and hear Jesus together. We love you now. God bless you. We'll be back to visit. Hang in there. Keep looking up. We love you. They might have been very, very friendly, but they would have not been true friends. Friendly to go to the man. Friendly to pray for the man. Friendly to give him a card of encouragement. Friendly to give him some cookies. But ladies and gentlemen, if they would have left that man lying there in that condition, they might have been friendly men, 
But they would have not been true friends. They were true friends because they did not minimize his condition. And ladies and gentlemen, as members of this fellowship, as men and women of faith, it's imperative that we not minimize the condition of those that we know that are our friends and our neighbors and our family members and and those that live in this community because there are those that live here that are lost, they're unchurched, and the only hope they have is for a church like this or a member like you or a child of God that is willing to, what we sing about, go and share with them the the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ still loves and he still forgives. And aren't we all thankful that Jesus Christ still saves? I know, man, we have problems in America. We have problems in Georgia, even around our community. I know that some of y'all say, well, Brother Tim, we, we live in Osceola. We, we live in Fitzgerald. We, we don't live down there in, in Miami. We don't even uh, uh, go over there and shop in Tallahassee, and we never go to Atlanta. And matter of fact, man, you're too far. You live in Albany or Albany. Depends where you're from. And, and, and Brother Tim, we, we, we live over here. We don't have drug issues over here. We don't have alcohol issues over here. Well, We don't have immorality problems over here. Number one, don't fool yourself. Because ladies and gentlemen, outside these walls, there are men and women and teenagers involved in horrific sin. And buddy, they need a Savior. And the only Savior that will touch their life is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, they were true friends because they did not minimize this condition. But you know what? You're right. There's a lot of good people that live in Osceola. There's a lot of good folks that live in, in Fitzgerald. There's even fun, uh, some that even live a little bit further around Waycross. We won't go there, but there, there's some folks over there. And they're good folks, but be reminded, good old boys won't make it into heaven unless good old boys have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to be ready for heaven is to repent, to come to faith, to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and to receive Him into their life to be their Savior, to be their Lord. They were true friends because they did not minimize His condition. And again, we need to be a true friend. Not just friendly, but a true friend. We cannot minimize the condition of those that we go to school with and those that we play ball with and those we're in the band with and those that we work with and those that are our neighbors and those that own restaurants and those that work on our vehicles. Many of them are unchurched. Many are lost. And the only hope they have is a true friend like you that will go and share the gospel, go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But, oh, dear friend, not only were these four men true friends because they did not minimize his condition, but also they were true friends because of the fact that they were willing to work together. They were willing to work together. Look with me at verse 3 and verse 4. The Bible says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought afore. And when they come not near unto him for the press or the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed in which the sick of the palsy lay. Let's look at verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. True friends, because they did not minimize his condition. But secondly, they were true friends because they were willing to work together. Now, as I understand it from seminary days, and pastor, you correct me if I'm wrong, but there were four men that carried one man 
to Jesus. Am I right about that? And as I understand it, that one man would be laying on a cot, kind of like an old-timey army cot. And that cot would have four corners. And remember, there were four men. Wonderful how God just kind of worked that out. Four men and four corners. Now, I know it never happens here in this church. But I wonder what would have happened if one of those four men would have said, Do you see that right corner? My name is on that right corner. Matter of fact, I've always carried that right corner. And boys, if you let me carry the corner that I want to carry, then I'm going home and I'm going to quit and I'm just never, 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 never coming back. You guys are always picking on me and you will never let me do what I want to do and I want to carry the corner that I want to carry. And if you let me carry the corner that I want to carry, then I'm going home and I'm going to quit and I'm just never, 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 never coming back. <laughs> now, I know that never happens here. But I want you to know what happens in 99.9% of every Southern Baptist church just about every Sunday morning. In other words, if you don't let me sing what I want to sing and how I want to sing and when I want to sing, I'm going home and I'm going to quit and I'm just never, never, never come back. Hey, listen, if you don't let me teach what I want to teach and who I want to teach and where I want to teach and how I want to teach, then I'm going home and I'm going to quit and I'm just never, never come back. Hey, listen, if you don't let me do what I want to do, then, then, then I'm going home and, and I'm never, never, never coming back. All I'm hearing is I, I, I and me, me, me. And what we need to be hearing is what Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Folks, I'll be honest, as a child of God, as a member of this church, as a member of the body of, of believers, it doesn't matter if you have the right front corner or the back left corner. All that matters is you've got your hands on the cot and you're involved in the process of bringing lost men and women and children and students to faith in Jesus Christ. But, oh, dear friend, if we're going to work together, then we've got to communicate. Man, matter of fact, man, it, it's hard to, Work together if you don't communicate. And by the way, that's one of the big hang-ups that a lot of churches say is we just simply do not communicate. Well, man, the pastor and the staff and the deacons and the lay friends and members need to work together if we're going to reach this community of this church. It's going to be a, a lighthouse for, for this area. But if we're going to work together, we got to communicate. And the first one we need to communicate to is who? Your beloved pastor. All due respect. Not really. The first one we need to communicate to is God the Father, His precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I be honest with you? I used to pray like this, and I was really sincere. I was a young preacher in my 20s, and I'd say, Lord, we need revival. God, please send revival. God, please do a work in our church. And I'd say, Lord, look at our teenagers. God, you know they need revival. Some of them don't even wear socks to church on Sunday night. God, you know they need revival. And God, look at that deacon back there. He won't even sing what everybody else is singing. But I fell to pray, Lord God, send revival, but would you let it begin with me? Could you imagine what God would do? By the way, that better be Jesus. Amen, all right? <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, are, are, are you embarrassed right now? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She goes like, just a little bit, but man, you are bright red. Amen. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas, man. You are Rudolph. Amen. All right. So is it her? No, it's me. It's you. Oh, then she kicks her phone. Amen. Anyway. I don't even know where I'm at, man. All right. 
But man, we need to communicate. We need to communicate to the Lord. Could you imagine what God would do in this church and what God would do in other churches in our community if we really got serious, I mean really serious about prayer? When we would open up our churches in the mornings early and in the evenings at, at the uh, afternoon or evening hour and men and women and young people would just come and, and maybe sit or come and kneel and begin to pray, Lord God, send a revival. Lord, would you do a work in our community? Lord, send a revival to my pastor and my, my husband, my wife, my children, my, my, my Sunday school teacher, my class, my church, Lord, our community, our, our leadership, our officials. God, send revival to the state. Lord, send revival to America, send revival to the world. But Lord, would you let that revival spark and begin in my heart and in my life. Oh, dear friend, God is doing a great work and he wants to do a greater work. But I think God's people need to get serious about prayer. We need to get down on our faces before God and plead with him. God, would you do something in America? Lord, would you send a revival to America? God, would you change America? Would you make America, Lord, a a country that honors the Lord, that worships King Jesus, that, that is willing to reach out not only across our land but around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Oh, dear friend, they were true friends because they were willing to work together. If we're going to work together, we got to communicate. Anybody here ever put up fence? Anybody here ever done that? By the way, I'm looking over here, and there's a few women. Man, they're kind of proud about it. They're looking like this, you know. And, and, and by the way, somebody told me the other day, if you can find a woman that can put up fence, that can dig for worms, can bait a hook, and make good cat head biscuits, you got to keep her. Amen, amen. I'm telling you. But you know, really and truly, if you're going to put up fence, you got to have helpers. Because, man, you can't hardly do it by yourself. You, you got to dig and you got to post that, you know, put that, and you got to put, you know, uh, concrete and you got to do water. And, you, and then sometimes you got to put a board and you got to nail or you got to pull the line. And so you got to have helpers. But if you're going to have helpers, you got to communicate. Because if you don't communicate, that offense will go over there and over there and over there and over there and over there. And when it's done, it won't do what it's supposed to do. Keep certain things in and keep other things out. Well, folks, if we're going to work together, we need to communicate. And yes, we need to communicate to the Lord. Lord God, I'm willing to be used. I want to be used. Lord, send revival. Do a work in my community, in my church. But, but let it begin with me. Not only do we need to communicate to the Lord, but also each other. We need to communicate to each other. Matter of fact, I, I think we need to encourage each other, love each other, pray for each other. I want you to know in churches today, and even in denominational work today, there's a lot of people, man, that are really being ugly. I mean, man, they're, they're really ugly. And, and sometimes they can be pretty <clears throat> hateful. And I'm talking about, here's my brother, here's my sister. Now, I may not agree on every single thing biblically, but if I can agree on the big things, I ought to be able to love my brother and encourage my sister to walk with the Lord and live for, for Christ. But, oh, dear friends, sometimes we, we kind of beat up on our own people. And buddy, we need to love each other. I've never met a pastor that did not need to be encouraged and loved on. I've never met a minister of music that needed somebody to say thank you for leading us in worship. And what a blessing it is to, to let our praise team know that, hey man, thank you for, for leading us to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. It, it, it's a blessing to praise and, and give glory and honor to the Lord. I've never met a, a youth worker that did not need encouragement. I've never met really a deacon or a Sunday. Listen, I've never met a believer, if they were honest about it, that didn't need to be loved on and encouraged and challenged and prayed for. Listen, we need to encourage one another and just, just really love each other and encourage each other in the areas of reaching people for Jesus. 
Now, I'm not trying to be ugly this morning, but I've noticed that there's a few ladies right over here that have uh, kind of been looking at my belly the whole time I've been preaching. I'm just going to tell you. And one of them's the lady where the phone went off. Amen, all right? And I'm just going to let you know, I, I know what y'all are thinking. I wonder how much that guy weighs. I'll be honest with you. It's none of your business how much I weigh. Amen? I weigh 200 and too many pounds. That's what I weigh. But I guarantee you, some of y'all looking at me, and y'all just say, you know, he's kind of like our pastor. You know, man, they're bold, man. They're bold. They're just a witness. They're bold. Well, I, I am a witness, and I, I try to be bold. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes I get nervous. Sometimes I get intimidated. Pastor, you ever been intimidated? I, I mean, there are times when I've gone to a house, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll, I'll knock on the door. And in my heart, I'm saying, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they're not home. Have you ever done that? Don't ever do that because when you do that, they're always home. Amen. And you see some big old guy come to the door and he, you know, he's big. Man, he's bigger than me. You know, that's big. And he has a green t-shirt on. It says Marines. And he has tattoos. He's an older guy. They used to be ships. Now they're houseboats. You know what I'm saying about And he says, yeah, what do you want? And I just want to say, sir, I'm sorry to bother you. I think I'm at the wrong house. And then I'm reminded what the Bible says, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Aren't you glad that the Lord is with us no matter where we're at, at church, at home, at work, even when we're sharing Jesus? The Lord will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's right there by our side. And so we need to communicate to each other, challenge each other, motivate each other. I'm praying for you. I know you have a lost friend or a lost family member or I'm praying for you that you'll make an impact in that middle school or that high school where you serve, where you're a teacher, where you're a librarian. Hey, listen, thank you, law officer, for, for what you do. And, man, we'd be in a mess without you. And I know it's tough right now. But, man, I, I pray that you'll be able to let the light of Christ shine in and through you. That'll bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. Oh, dear friend, but not only do we need to communicate to the Lord and each other, but thirdly, we need to communicate to the lost person that hell is real. That hell is no joke, but that we've got great news. Uh, Jesus loves and he'll forgive and he'll save them if they'll put their faith and trust in him. By the way, do we have anybody here that's in uh, middle school? We got any middle school people? If you're in middle school, raise, raise your hand if you're in middle school. We got some guys up there on the back row, man. I, they're even listening today. Praise God. Amen. All right. Thank you. It's all about that phone. Amen. I'm telling you. Amen. And uh, have we got anybody that's in eighth grade? Any eighth graders here? Anybody in eighth grade? Anybody in eighth grade? None of you guys are in eighth grade? All right. Nobody in eighth grade. All right. All right. All right. How about like seventh grade? Anybody in seventh grade? All right. And you're, you're in seventh grade and you're in seventh grade. Okay. And you guys in seventh grade? All right. But y'all, uh, anyway. Oh, listen, listen. I, I normally pick on, on the guys, but today I'm just going to, uh, she's a whole lot prettier than you are, dude. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, man. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm not saying you're ugly, but dude, I'm just telling you, man, I, I'm sorry. Will you do me a favor? Will you do me a favor? Will you help me? Can you help me? All right. Can you help me? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. All right. All right. You're not blonde. All right. You, you got black hair. So that's good. That's a real positive thing. Will, will you help me? You might, come on up here. Would you do that real quick? All right. Just, uh, see, that's good. Now, by the way, is your mom and dad here? By the way, are they here? Where, where's, your, where's mom and dad at? Where's, where's mom and dad? Right there, that's mom and dad. And your mom feels real confident right now. You can tell. But dad, dad's over there going, please, God, don't let her say something stupid. God, help her. God, help. 
She's going to be all right. She's going to be all right. Now, what's your, what's your first name? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Boy, that's a cool name. Well, Brooklyn, now how? how <laughs> huh? Is that not right? Huh? Oh, you lying now. All right, all right, all right. So, 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 so you're, you're in uh, seventh grade. Brooklyn, and, uh, and how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. Right, so I want to ask you a question. You got to really listen. Okay? All right? Because I can tell you're smart. Okay? All right? All right? And, and he's smart, too. He just not, 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 he just don't look like you. But anyway, all right, all right. He can't help it. Just can't help it. All right, so Brooklyn, I come to you and I say, hey, hey, young lady, I got, I got like 10 bucks, okay? And this ain't a whole lot of money, okay? Because I'm not like, like your pastor, man. He is rich, okay? All right? You see those shoes right there? Those are $500 shoes right there. Look at those shoes. Man, listen, they have a big, I mean, they even have that white thing on the bottom, man. That's big time stuff. But anyway, say, Brooklyn, I just want to give you, uh, uh, they're leaving me, man. <laughs> That is rude. Anyway, all right. So, Brooklyn, say I want to give you like, uh, like 10 bucks, okay? All right? But don't run. Don't run, okay? Because you can't trust kids today. Amen? But, 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 but say I want to give you 10 bucks. But here's the deal, Brooklyn. If you don't do everything I say, really, if you don't pray every day, don't read your Bible every day, don't go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, don't go to youth camp, not youth choir, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to get my big old King James Mama Bible. I'm going to pop you on the head with it, and I'm going to take it back. I want to ask you a question. Would that be a bribe or would that be a real gift? A bribe. That's right. All right. And she's looking at her mama right now. Her mama's going, amen. All right. You're right. That'd be a bribe. All right. You're right. And, uh, but, and that's true. But what would happen if I came and I said, hey, look, and I want to give you 10 bucks and I handed that to you. And, and I said, listen, man, I hope you love Jesus and I hope you read your Bible and I hope you get to go to church. And uh, love your mom and dad, all you got, man. You know, you normally just going to get one good mom and dad normally. And I just want to love you and help you and be a blessing. And, and whatever you do, that $10 belongs to you. Would that be a bribe or would that be a gift? That'd be a gift. You know, it's amazing that she is, what, in seventh grade. And she knows the difference between a bribe and a gift. And, you know, there's a lot of people here, Brooklyn, that are not you know, your age, they're like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and beyond. And they don't know the difference between a gift and a bribe. Did you notice a moment ago when I handed her that $10 uh, gift? What did she do? Did she jerk it out my hand? No. What did she do? Did she reject it? No. She very kindly, very graciously reached out and received my gift. She could have said, $10, 10, is that all you got, man? You cheap, man, $10. But she didn't. She very graciously reached out and received my gift. You know what? If she would have rejected my gift and went back and sat down, some of y'all would have come up to me and said, hey, I'm sorry that she kind of hurt your feelings and rejected your gift. Normally, she's not that way. Normally, she's really sweet. I'm sorry she didn't take your gift. They're being mean to you, man. Man, we love you, man. Well, she's a nice person. Anyway, all right. But here's the difference. She reached out and received the gift. You know what we need to do? We need to do that with Christ. There's a gift that's greater than $10, or $100, or $1,000, $100,000, or whatever. And it's salvation. It's eternal life. It's Jesus. It's heaven forever and forever and forever. 
You say, Brother Tim, do you have to like reach out with your hand and say, Lord, you know, no, no, no. But with your heart, just say, Lord, God, thank you for your love and thank you for your forgiveness. And God, thank you for salvation. And God, thank you for eternal life. And receive the greatest gift of all. Jesus, heaven, eternal life. Listen, I hope she's done that. And I hope you've done that. But if you've never done that, the Bible says that today's the day to put your faith and trust in Christ. And receive the greatest gift of all. Not ten bucks, but receive Jesus. Heaven, eternal life, forever and forever and forever. I think she did a good job. Would y'all give her a big round of applause? Man, awesome. That's your ten bucks. That, no, that's yours. That's yours. Now, Dad, Dad, that is not for the Chinese buffet. Amen. I know what you're thinking. I know, I know. I know, I know what you're thinking. But no, that's her money. That ain't for the Chinese buffet. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? I'm not quite ready, man. Y'all hang in there with me, okay? All right. All right. A lady had a phone ring and it messed me up, okay? So hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm kidding. They were true friends because they were willing to work together. They were true friends because they didn't minimize this condition. But lastly, they were true friends because they were willing to do the unusual. Can you imagine those guys, every time they came up to a muddy puddle of water, if they had, they had to stop and vote? Oh, we're going to go around this muddy puddle of water the right way, or we're going to go around this muddy puddle of water the left way, or, or guys, we're just going to go right through this muddy puddle of water. You said, Brother Tim, what, what, what do you mean? Don't you believe in democracy? Yes, we voted recently on several elections. Yeah, I believe in democracy. I believe that they voted all in one accord when they picked him up, and they started carrying him to Jesus. But here's our friend. We love our friend. And we want to get our friend to Jesus. I don't know your constitution. I don't know your bylaws. But somewhere in those bylaws and constitution, it talks about reaching people for Jesus and helping them grow in the Lord. They voted on it probably years and years ago. Church family, let's just do it. Let's, what they sing about and what we sing about recently is let's be faithful to go. To go in our community, to go where we work, to go where we live, to go with our families, to go beyond this community, even in our state, in our country, but even around the world to share and proclaim the gospel of Christ. Let me share with you this, and then we're going to wrap it up. Can you imagine those guys trying to get through the door? Can't even get through the door, just too many people. By the way, that's the way it ought to be around here every Sunday morning. Boy, you better get down there early. Why? What well, is it, the preaching? Well, man, he's awesome. Is the music? Man, it is great. But no, man, you better get down there early. Why? Why is everybody down there? Because Jesus is there. God is moving. God is blessing. God's doing a work in hearts and lives of people. Their families are changing. Couples are changing. Marriages are changing. Kids are getting right with God. God's doing a great work right there at that fellowship, right there in that church. I can imagine those guys trying to get through the window and get to the door. Can't even get through. Too many people. I can imagine some old guy saying, I'm tired and I'm hot and I'm miserable. And man, this guy's heavy and we've been carrying him a long time. And listen, let's, let's go over here and we'll, we'll put him over here. And then when everybody leaves, then we'll take our friend to Jesus. And I can hear one of those men say, no, ma'am, no, sir. We've come this far by faith. We're not about to turn back now. Aren't you glad whoever led you to faith in Christ never, ever gave up on you? You say, Billy Graham led me to Christ. Aren't you glad Billy Graham in his late 90s could not even stand, could not even walk with a walker in a high-back chair on television gave one more plea, give your life 
to Jesus. Aren't you glad for a man that was faithful to tell others about the love of God? You say, listen, my nagging wife, man. I, I tell you what, she nagged me, nagged me. Go to church, go to church. I said, I ain't going, I ain't going. Finally, I said, all right, that's enough. And I'm going. And on the third row, man, I heard the preacher preach. And the Lord touched my heart. Before I knew it, I walked down that aisle and gave my heart and life to Christ. Aren't you thankful for a nagging wife that loved you enough to nag you into heaven? Amen. To nag you to come to faith. You said, that old country preacher led me to Christ. That old country preacher kept on coming every other Saturday, knocking on my door and inviting me to church. And I said, preacher, we don't want to go to church. We don't like church. And y'all are stiff and y'all are uppity, uppity. And I don't want to go to that old church. And finally, I had enough. And I said, all right, preacher, I'm coming. But buddy, you better be ready because I'm coming one time. And buddy, on that back row, the Lord grabbed my heart and I came forward. And my wife came and my children came and we gave our life to Christ. Aren't you glad for an old-timey preacher? Whoever led you to faith, aren't you glad that they did not ever, ever give up on you? By the way, they didn't give up on you. Jesus didn't give up on you. We don't need to give up on others. There are those that are not ready. There are those that are ready to be saved. There are those that said, I'm not ready yet, but one day I'll trust Christ. And by the way, there'll come a point to where they may even call you and say, come talk to me about Jesus because I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm laying here in this hospital and I'm about to meet my maker. I need Jesus. I am ready. Oh, dear friend, can you imagine those guys saying, hey, I got a good idea. We'll get this old boy and we'll put him up there on that roof and we'll make a big old hole in that roof and and we'll lower him right there in front of the feet of Jesus and then Jesus, he'll do something for our friend. I can imagine those guys turn up that roof. Can you imagine that? All the mud and debris and the grass and the sticks. And I can imagine somebody going, stop, guys. You know what we're doing? We're turning up this roof. And somebody owns this house and this roof. I bet this roof costs a a whole lot of money. You say, Brother Tim, don't you believe the gospel is free? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir, I do. But an old-time preacher said the gospel's free. But it always costs something to get the gospel to those that need it. Sometimes there's a television program. At Christmas, we can share the gospel. Cost a lot of money. Sometimes it's a vacation Bible school. Sometimes it's a youth rally or youth event. Sometimes it's maybe a youth camp. Maybe it's even a revival. Maybe it's a, it's a harvest event. Maybe it's a, a ladies or men's event. But listen, it always costs something. Sometimes tire, energy, and it takes sweat and, and, and work. And even sometimes it takes resources to get the gospel to those that need it. Water's free. But it always costs something to pump it in your house where you can drink it and use it and enjoy it. Oh, dear friend, I can imagine those guys on that roof turning up that roof. And I hear somebody on the ground going, hey, what are y'all doing on the roof? Man, we're turning up this roof. Well, we know, man, you're throwing junk all over us. Man, listen, we're sorry, but we got to get our friend to Jesus. Won't y'all try the door? We, 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 we didn't, y'all's in the way. Try the window, buddy. Well, we did, and your friends were in the way. You guys are just a bunch of fanatics. Could you imagine that? By the way, if somebody calls you a fanatic about serving Jesus, they have just paid you an overwhelming compliment. An overwhelming compliment. Man, we got all kinds of fanatics. We got baseball fanatics. We we got we 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 got some Alabama fans. Have you noticed, man, that they just kind of throw it in the face? I mean, they start wearing stuff, man. This guy wearing stuff, and the other guy's got pajamas on with Alabama stuff on. <laughs> wearing stuff. 
I guarantee you I'm never coming back to this church. I'm done. I'm in trouble, but they're going to say, don't bring that guy back. We got Georgia fans. We got all kinds of fans. But you know what we need? We don't need to have more Jesus fans. Jesus doesn't need fans. Jesus is looking for followers. And that's what you and I need to be, is a follower of Christ. That's willing to take up our cross and follow Him. Doesn't matter where we're at, what we're doing. We need to be obedient and serve Him and live for Him and let our light shine that will bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. I want to ask you again. Are you a true friend? Or are you just friendly? Teenager, are you a true friend? You got buddies at school that if they died today, they would die without Christ. So you have folks that you work with that need the Lord. you got neighbors that are lost. By the way, family members that we're going to see in a few weeks at Christmas that are lost. Listen, let me just say, be friendly. Don't let just the Methodists and the Presbyterians be the only friendly folks. But we need to be more than just friendly. We need to be true friends. Then I'm going to wrap it up. It's hard to be a witness. It's hard to be that true friend for Christ if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Christ? Are you sitting here today saying, well, I hope I'm going to heaven or I I think that I'm going to heaven. All due respect, you don't need to be hoping and you don't need to be thinking when you can be knowing. And I, I was talking to a college guy the other day and he said, you know what? I think only God knows. Only God really knows if you can be a Christian or not. And I said, well, you know what? I said, you're partly right. God does know. He's sovereign. He knows everything. But what's amazing to me is God has made a way for you to know. And then I shared, you know, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever called on his name to do what his name means? And that's to come into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. Don't don't leave here today saying, well, I hope I'm going to heaven or I think I might make it to heaven. You need to leave here being able to say, I know that I know that I know that if I die today, now I don't want to die today. This isn't a good day to die. But if I did die today, heaven is my home. Not because of what I've done, but rather because of what Christ has done in me. He said he would save me. He said he would cleanse me. And I put my faith in him. I'm trusting him to do what he said he would do. Just like this young lady that received just a small gift, $10. But you know what? She had to reach out and receive it. And she did that. Was she rude about it? No. Was she gracious? Yes. Was she appreciative? I think so. But she reached out by faith and received my gift. She didn't reject it. I want you to know, Pastor, there are thousands and thousands of people that are rejecting the greatest gift of all every day in our community, in this state, in this world. What they need to say is, Lord God, I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me for all my sin. I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed a bank. But I've lied. I've cheated. I've hated. I've coveted. I've cursed. I've sinned. God, cleanse me and forgive me of all my sin. By the way, it's amazing. We talked about it in youth Sunday school. That God has the power to forgive, but also He has the power to cleanse. But I love that. He can forgive me, yeah, but he can also cleanse me. I can forgive you, you can forgive me, but I can't cleanse anybody, nor can you. But God can. 
And then Jesus Christ, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. You say, Brother Tim, how do you know he'll save me? Well, the Bible says so. How else do you know? Well, Jesus said, I'm faithful and just to cleanse you and forgive you of all your sin. How else do you know? Well, because he did it for me. And friend, if he'll save me, and he'll save these worship team leaders, and he'll, he'll save your pastor, and he'll save this guy that sang today, then he'll save you. But here's the kicker. You listening? You've got to ask. And if you ask and you trust, he's faithful to cleanse, he's faithful to forgive, and he's faithful to save. Would you pray with me? Heads about and eyes are closed. As these guys play, before anybody sings, I want to ask just a couple of questions. How many here would say, Brother Tim, I know that I am saved. I remember the day that the Lord saved me. And Tim, if I died today, now I don't want to die today, not a good day to die, but if I were to pass today, Tim, I know that I know that I am saved. I remember the day that the Lord saved me. If that's your testimony this morning, right there where you sit, if you know that to be a fact, would you just simply lift your hand if you're able to say that this morning? Don't raise it if you don't know. But if you do, would you just lift your hand all over this building? God bless you. You may put your hands down. I want to ask another question. How many others would say, Brother Tim, I'm not sure that I've ever really been saved. But I know this. I don't want to die in my sin. And I surely don't want to die and go to hell. Tim, I need God's love. I need His forgiveness. Tim, I would like to be saved before it's too late. Friend, I want to pray for you, but I need to know who to pray for. So this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking, nobody moving, how many men, how many women, how many young people would say, Brother Tim, I'm not sure that I've ever truly been saved, but I know this, I would like to be saved. And I would like to be saved before it's too late. So I don't know who to pray for, and so I can pray for you. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be. Would you also lift your hand this morning? That's right, just lift your hand. Tim, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be. Would you just simply lift your hand, be sure I see you, and that I'll know who to pray for. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be. I'd like to be. Wonderful. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many here would say, Brother Tim, man, I, I, I tell you, I'm a witness. I share my faith. Man, I'm willing to go. I share Jesus. I'm a witness. I'm a true friend. If you're able to say that with confidence before the Lord, would you also lift your hand this morning? I am a witness. I am a soul winner. I share Christ. God bless you. Wonderful. Let me ask another question. How many others would say, Brother Tim, I'm not the witness I need to be. I'm not the soul winner God would have me be. Brother Tim, I need to be a, a true friend. I've got lost friends and family and neighbors and co-workers, and they need Jesus. And I've not been the witness I need to be, but I want to be. Would you also lift your hand this morning all over this building? That's awesome. In a moment, we're going to stand. In a moment, my pastor is going to come and stand right here before this uh, beautiful arrangement of flowers here. In a moment, the band, the group's going to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith and trust in Christ, I want to encourage you just to leave your seat and come and say, Pastor, tell me what must I do to be saved? And let him share with you and talk with you. But if you're here this morning from the balcony on the lower floor and the back to the very front on either side, and maybe you raised your hand, I am not the witness, the soul winner, the true friend that I need to be. And I do 
not want to minimize. And I do want to work together. And I'm willing to do the unusual. I've got lost friends and family and neighbors and co-workers. And you're willing to come and pray and commit and recommit to the Lord to be that witness. I encourage you to come. And if you're able to sit on this front pew and if you're not able to do that, maybe come and just kneel right down here at this altar and come saying, today I'm coming, yielding, surrendering myself to Jesus to be a witness, to be a soul winner, to be a true friend.